Right, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 1, on the same day Jesus went out, to the, out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds, of the, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and will not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, and that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who has received seed by the wayside. But he who has received seed on the stony, stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who has received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some thirty, and some sixty. At least one third of Christ's recorded teaching is found in parable form. He was the master exponent of the parable. Parables were not a New Testament thing per se. There's plenty of them in the old, but Jesus certainly was the master at the parable. It's mentioned some 48 times in the first three Gospels and twice in Hebrews and nowhere else in the whole of the New Testament. The word parable is parabole in the original and it simply means to put alongside another or to place alongside another. And the idea is for either comparison or for contrast. 
that something would be placed alongside another so that we could compare or contrast, and actually for a spiritual purpose, so that we could understand some spiritual things that Jesus was trying to teach. And that's why many of the parables begin with, for instance, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. So there is a comparable, there's a, something to compare with. And so the beauty of the parable was both to reveal something and conceal something. And that's why teachers use this method so that a spiritual truth could either be revealed or concealed and usually both at the same time. And Jesus gave the reason for that. And so that whom he was addressing, some would get it, some wouldn't get it. Those who would get it would be the ones who would be spiritually hungry, who would be wanting to know more, who would listen carefully, uh, who would uh, go away and think about it and, and get the meaning of it. But those who were cold and indifferent and did not care about spiritual things, the enemies of Christ many times, well, it just went right over their head. They just didn't get it. And so Jesus used this as an example. Some say that the parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and that is true. That's a, that's a fair uh, thing to say. But every single time I speak about any parable, I always like to use the description that Warren Wearsby gave. I don't think there's a better description of parable than this. He says, a parable is a picture that we look at. It's a mirror that we look into and it's a window that we look through. A picture we look at, a mirror we look into, and a window we look through. Whenever you read a parable, it paints a picture for you. Whether that, in this case, it's a man sowing seed, or whether it's whatever, it paints a picture. You imagine it in your mind's eye. But then it becomes a mirror, and you look into the mirror, and you see yourself. It exposes something about us, that the teacher is trying to tell us. And then as you look into the mirror, then it becomes a window that you look through and you see God. Where is God in this? What's God saying? And so that is what a parable is. This is the king of all parables, the parable of the sower. Mark 4.13, where it's repeated, he said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? And so this is a very, very important parable. This particular parable, the parable of the sower, is about preaching and teaching truths about the kingdom of God and the responses of the hearers. This truly reveals the hearts of the hearers. There's three main elements to this parable. The sower, that's the one who spreads the word. The seed, which is the word or Christ. And the soils, which are men and women's hearts. And although it's commonly called the parable of the sower, it could just as easily be called the parable of the soils. Because although the sower doesn't change and the seed doesn't change, everything changes when it comes to the soils. The soils, there's four soils, and they're all entirely different. So there's four conditions of men's hearts which are different, and this is what this is trying to teach us. And so this was written... 2,000 years ago, it still is valid and is important for us today. So let's look tonight. Let me look at the clock first, all right? 
Oh, sorry. Oh. That's better, isn't it? All right, let's look tonight at these four hearts, four soils that the seed has been sown in. First of all, there is the, the wayside hearer, the one who is by the wayside. This is the hard heart. Here, H-E-A-R, is mentioned 19 times in Matthew 13. No wonder Jesus says, take heed what you hear, take heed how you hear. What we hear and how we hear it is vitally important. The hardness of heart is to do with our understanding, our perception, and our reception of the Word of God, of spiritual truths. Now, to the person with a hard heart, they don't care. It doesn't mean anything to them. Have you ever found that maybe somebody in work or maybe some member of your family or a neighbor or somebody that you're witnessing to, and they're just totally indifferent to anything you have to say that's spiritual? Anything. They'll change the subject just like that. Do you ever notice that? They just, they're not remotely interested. That's the hardness of the heart that does that. Now we know that there's some people, and, and maybe temporarily they'll do that to put you off because they're under conviction and they don't want you to know that. But then there's the others. And no matter when you speak to them, no matter what you speak to them about spiritually, they're just not interested. And you immediately see that they're just not interested. This is the hardness of the heart. No real attempt to try to understand anything spiritual at all. Nothing to try to grasp the truth. And there's lots of people like that today. Go to share anything of eternity or eternal things or relating to their soul. They just switch off and they switch you off and the conversation just ends right there and then. There's just a silence until you move on the conversation. Well, you know there's a hard heart involved. They're not interested. This is an uncultivated heart. You see, fields in those days are not like fields today. Sowing seed in those days is different than sowing seed today. The fields in those days, oftentimes there would be a path through the middle of it. People would take shortcuts and they would just go over the farmer's land or they would go up the side of it or cut across it diagonally. So there's all these little paths. And so when the farmer came to sow his seed, which would be in a big bag, he'd be throwing it. And some of that seed would land in those hard, trodden-down paths, and it could not penetrate the soil. It was too hard. And it just lay there. And that's the way some hearts are. Here we are throwing out the seed of the Word of God. We're dropping a word here and a word there and another word there, and it's just like going on to that. It's just hard. It's just not penetrating. It's not getting in. And then what happens? The fowls of the air come and they eat it. They steal it. The fowls of the air 
the birds of the air represent Satan here. Matthew, or Matthew calls him the wicked one. Mark calls him Satan. In Luke's gospel, it's the devil. And he has many birds. He has many ways to try to steal the word and to take it because it's uncultivated soil. It's just lying on the ground. And they come quickly. Do you ever notice, maybe out in your back garden, you go out and you look around, there's not a bird in sight. You take out a handful of seed or maybe a handful of bread or something, you throw it out there, and within seconds, psh, they swoop down on it. So where in the world did they come from? But they were watching and waiting. And the enemy can very quickly come in and steal that word. Because it's not penetrating the hard hearts. And it's easy for them. Some people come to church. They hear the gospel. They hear the preaching of the word. And it doesn't penetrate. Before they go out that door, the enemy has stolen that word. It's so easy. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. And we need to be careful too, even as believers, that we don't allow our hearts to become hard. Because if we do, we're going to miss so much of God's word that the Spirit wants to sow into our lives. And if we allow a hardness to come into our heart, the seed won't penetrate. The Word of God won't get in there. The enemy can steal it very, very quickly. Hosea 10 and 12 says, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. The fallow ground is a ground that has lain. It has not been farmed. It's not been plowed up. It's not ready for seed. Fly up the fallow ground. Get it ready for the seed of the Word of God. And that's a good reason why we need to pray for our unsaved loved ones and our friends that at the moment it just seems to be their hearts are so hard that somehow or other that their hearts would soften, that, that maybe the Holy Spirit can somehow begin to break up that fallow ground so that the seed of the Word of God or the gospel can get in there and begin to take root. And then there is the shallow heart. This is the stony ground here, the shallow heart. Now, stony ground here doesn't, you, you get it, you, you know, Sally and I was driving there a couple of months ago, I think it was Easter time, or, you know, you go in Newcastle and you start to go up to that Big, what do you call it, big dam up there? Spelga and up that way. Well, the drive away up to there, you look out over the fields and all those stone dikes that are built, and, and the fields are just full of big boulders and big stones. You ever see that? Just full of them. But that's, that's not the image here you're to get in your mind. It, it's, it's hard, hard, rocky ground, not necessarily with big boulders all over it, but underneath a very thin layer of soil is this really hard, hard ground. And so when seed is sown on that, it catches very quickly in that shallow soil, but it can't take root. 
The roots can't break through that hard, hard, rocky ground below. And this is the stony ground. Little soil, little depth. Shallow soil, superficial growth. But it tells us here that this heart, it it responds immediately, quickly. This is a heart that's excitable, that's impressionable, that will respond almost immediately. And you think you're getting somewhere with it. And, you know, it'll make a profession quickly. Don't you think that's good, wonderful? Well, give it a little bit of time. Let's see how genuine and real this is. And sometimes we as preachers fall into that trap too because people mix all kinds of professions of faith and all the rest of it and we think, well, they're saved. But wait a minute, let's just, let's give it a little bit of time. Let's see, has that really taken root? Has that gone down in deep? And so this, this is a heart that, that acts very quickly, responds very quickly. It's impressionable, it's emotionable, but it's not sustainable, it's not dependable. There's no endurance. It fades quickly. And the first sign of trouble, when there's a little bit of trouble because of the word's sake, whenever the pressure comes on because of the word, then we're going to see how genuine and how real this is. Was it just a profession or was it a truly genuine salvation? That's how we're going to know. And so it says it's no endurance. It doesn't produce anything. It's easily offended. It's easily stumbled. Immediately it receives it with joy, yet it has no root in itself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Immediately responds, but then just as quickly stumbles. How many times over the years have we seen people who responded very quickly, very immediately, and very excitably, and very impressionably, and then, and then a week later, a month later, two months later, they're gone. Never see them again. They're gone. Couldn't talk to them. They're away. This is the shallow heart. Remember in John 6, when Jesus began to preach some really challenging messages and the great crowds began to drift. You know, while he was giving them bread and doing miracles, the multitudes, but when he really began to put the pressure on and really challenged them, they all began to fade away. He turned to his disciples and says, will you go away? Will you go away also? (laughs) Big crowds didn't really impress Jesus, by the way. It was hearts he was looking for. It wasn't counting heads, it was counting hearts. So we have the shallow heart. Then we have the distracted heart. This is the thorny soil here. The distracted heart. Someone has said that the first seed was on the ground, but not in it. The second seed was on it and in it, but not down. This third seed was on it and in it and down, but not up. It was choked to death by the weeds. 
Now, weeds is powerful things, aren't they? You'd never have to tend weeds, sure you don't. You just, they, just, they just take care of themselves, don't they? You don't have to do a thing. You don't plant them, you don't tend them, just let them go, and boy, they will surely grow. But when it comes to seed, it's got to be planted, it's got to be watered, it's got to be tended, and when that little shoot comes up, then it's got to be watched, it's got to be fertilized, it's got to be protected, maybe need needs some anti-something or other on it. You've got to watch the green fly. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort to grow the good things. No effort for the weeds, a lot of effort for the good thing. And it's the same in our spiritual lives. When it comes to our spiritual life, it takes some disciplines, some work, some effort. We've got to work at it every day. We don't have to work at the bad. It just comes naturally, doesn't it? Hmm? You don't have to try too hard to think bad or to do bad. It's that old man wants to do that. But the new man in Christ, we've got to look after the new man. We've got to train. We've got to teach. We've got to do the right things with the new man, haven't we? So here's the thorny soil here. And so the farmer goes out and he's sowing and there's stony ground, there's hard-packed ground, but then there's thorny ground. Now, of course, if there's a great big massive thorn bush, the farmer's not going to go over and throw a handful of seed into that. Sure he's not. I mean, he's not that stupid, is he? Anybody knows that. But it's soil where the seeds of those thorns and briars and thistles are already there. You may not be fully aware of it when he's thrown it on that and they come up. And the trouble is they grow quicker than the good seed. And as the good seed is trying to get up that you have to tend and you have to look after, those old weeds begin to choke the life out of them. They suck all that moisture out of the ground around them and all the goodness and all the stuff that's good for that good plant is sucked out by those rotten weeds. I don't know if you've seen any of these Japanese knotweed about the country, but they're massive things. I don't know if you've walked up to the towpath recently. David and Samuel lives up there in Achille. That's where the towpath is. Anybody in here ever walk up the towpath? A few of you. Anybody walk up it recently? You can hardly see it. You can hardly see the water. It's covered over with that. Well, I don't know what that stuff is. It's not good, and whatever it is is not good. I know that much. I don't know what the Latin name is, other than it's weeds, and it's taken over. Unless somebody dredges that, you'll up someday and not even see the river. It's just gone. I mean, one half of it you can't see any river, and those poor old swans and ducks are trying to fight their way through that garbage of stuff. This. Seed was choked to death by the weeds. Too many other things claim the time, the energies, the affections, the attentions of this kind of person. Doesn't take enough time to look after the spiritual side. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm not going to hell. Wonderful. And so for the rest of the week, or the rest of my time, I can live it every way I like. Sorry, it doesn't work. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work. Your spiritual life will be choked out. The weeds will grow and choke it out. 
Jesus points out three things here that distracts. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and in Mark's gospel with the same story, the desire of other things entering in. Choke the words. Deceitfulness of riches, cares of this world, desire of other things. The cares of this world. Even legitimate things, if we're not careful, good in and of themselves, if they crowd our lives too much, all our energies and our thoughts and our time will be spent on that. And no time for the Word. Sometimes no time for church, no time for prayer, no time for meditation on God and the things of God. And before you know it, the weeds has choked the spiritual life out of you. The cares of this world. Martha, Martha, you are cumbered about with many things. But one thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good part. Poor Martha, cumbered about with many things. Now we know there's lots of legitimate things that we have to give our time to. Some of you in here, you're rearing up young families. Look at Tessa down at the back there and Cheryl and, and Ferns there and others with little ones. Boy, that takes a lot of your time, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Number two's on its way. One takes a lot of time. Guess the time number two's going to take. <laughs> it's not double, it's a bit quadruple the time when you put the two together. And that's good. That's fine. That's all right. There's things that we have to do. We've got to raise up our families. All of that's good. But there's lots of things, stuff, things. And before you know it, your whole life is taken, your whole week's taken, your whole day's taken up. And we get cumbered about much serving. The deceitfulness of riches. First Timothy 6, Paul warns the young pastor Timothy, who was pastoring the church at Ephesus, which is probably the biggest congregation in his day. He says, be very, very careful about the deceitfulness of riches. Don't make that your goal. Don't make that your aim. Use it. Don't make it use you. And so he warns the young pastor, be very careful. And in warning him, he warns all of us to be careful. Remember Mark 10? But the rich man, remember how Jesus said, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom. Your money is neutral. What you do with it is going to decide whether it's going to help you or hinder you. Isn't it? How hard it is for those who trust, who become dependent upon, who make that their goal to enter into the kingdom. The deceitfulness of riches. The desire of other things Entering in. The desire of other things. Not even going to dwell on it because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. There was something else became his first love other than Christ. And it caused him to go away and no longer walk with Paul or walk with the Lord either. And he walked out into the dustbin of history never to be heard of again the desire of other things entering in. 
I've pastored for 35 years. I have lost count. I don't mean it in here, but people I know all over the place and some from here. I have lost count of the people who were doing well until the desire of other things entered in. And their life bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. And today they're not even walking with the Lord. They're not even going to church anymore because the desires of other things has just absolutely just like weeds has grown around their heart. But then finally, I'm doing very well tonight, aren't we? You see, you complained last week you were too hot and I spoke too long. So I'm being very kind to you tonight. This is the good soil here. This is the reproductive heart. Not just productive, but reproductive. Keeps producing and producing and producing. This seed was on, it was in, it was down, and it was up. Glory to God. The sowing was good, the seed was good, the soil was good. This was good soil. Whenever the seed of the Word of God is sown in good soil, it can do nothing else but to produce and to reproduce. That is absolutely guaranteed. So the whole object is for us to make sure that our hearts is good soil to receive the seed. Let me ask you this. When you come to church, do you prepare your heart to receive the seed of the Word of God? A farmer would never think of sowing seed in his field until he plowed up the field and he prepared the soil. Then he sows his seed, doesn't he? Even if you take 10 minutes before you come to church on your own and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. And you start to prepare your heart and then the seed gets sown. Whether that's me preaching or some of the other men or whoever, but the seed gets sown because the heart is prepared. This soil was good. This heart was receptive unlike the hard heart. It was responsive, unlike the shallow heart. It is retentive, unlike the destructive heart. It's reproductive, it reproduces. I've known some of you for many, many, many years, and I have watched some of you from, even from a very young age, and I can see the soil was good, and when the good seed was sown in it, I can see the fruit of it. I can see it being reproduced in your lives. And let me tell you as a pastor, that's the greatest joy and the greatest thrill in pastoring is seeing people's lives grow. Because then you know the seed has got in and it's been good soil and it has grown. Prepare our hearts. Get ready. And then when the seed is sown, Cultivate, fertilize, water, do whatever it takes. Do you meditate on the Word of God? Do you look at the Word of God and get a verse and chew on it for a while? Think about it. Chew the cud. You know the old cow's got two stomachs, hasn't it? Where's you farmers in here? And it munches not grass. Sorry, I'd have to say this, and then later on it. Eats it again for the second time. Don't know what tastes better the second time than the first time, but it does it anyway. And it does it for a reason. 
it breaks it up and it gets all the nutrients and gets the good out of it. And sometimes just meditating on the Word of God, thinking about it, maybe a psalm, it may be a portion of the gospel, and you go over it and you meditate on it and you think about it. I mean, I'm preaching quite lightly on this tonight. I mean, you could take three or four weeks just in this alone. But when you go home or this week, think about that. Go over it. Look at all three Gospels. Read them all together. See the wee bits others left out, the wee bits others put in, and get a full round picture. And God will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will take it and speak to you. Make it personal for your life. I'm going to say something to end tonight that's going to shock you. Notice what Jesus said. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Now, if he had to stop there, that would have been quite good. But he goes on. And he says something that's troubling. It's challenging, but it's also comforting. Depends how you look at it. Listen to it. Some produced a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some Thirty-fold. Four seeds, sorry, four soils. Only one of the four soils produced anything. Sunday school teachers, preachers, those of you who witness, Bible study groups, In all of the words that we preach, that we witness, that we say, only one quarter will bear fruit. That's a shocker, isn't it? Only one quarter will bear fruit. And even the quarter that bears fruit, it's not all a hundredfold, is it? Some 60 and some 30. Now, that's challenging, isn't it? I don't want to end on a downer, by the way, but that is challenging. I think of all of the preaching I've done in all of these years, and at the end of it, only one quarter of it will come and bear fruit because of the conditions of hearts. But those hearts that do receive, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. And as long as some hearts are receiving, I'm going to keep on preaching. And you're going to keep on witnessing. And you're going to keep on teaching. Because that's the important thing. Our job is to sow the seed. I'm not responsible for somebody else's hard heart. My job is to sow the seed. I'm not responsible for somebody's shallow heart. My job is to sow the seed. I'm not responsible for somebody's thorny heart. My job is to sow the seed. That's encouraging. Because if I was looking for a hundredfold return on every type of soil, I would have given up years ago. But I'm not going to get it. But that one quarter that will produce, that's what you'll get your crown for. That's what you'll get your reward for, for being faithful to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. Amen? And when I throw the seed out there, I don't know who's going to receive it and who's not going to receive it. All I know is I've got to throw it out. 
And you've got to do that too. You may witness to everybody in your, your, your office or everybody in your factory floor. Most of them may turn you off or look disinterested, but one of them or two of them or three of them, it'll be good seed and good soil. You may not be the one to reap that. Somebody else may, but you're the one who sowed it. And that's encouraging, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. Don't miss that. That's what he said right there. So that doesn't discourage me. That encourages me. That shows me if I keep sowing the seed, somebody somewhere is going to get it. And it's going to grow in their heart and they're going to go out and reproduce that. Amen? And after all these years, thank God I've seen that. The ones that have gone, that have missed it, that have shallow hearts and thorny hearts, my job was to sow the seed. I can't change their heart. Only they and the Holy Spirit can do that. But I look at some of you and I've seen it was good seed and good soil. So I can go home tonight encouraged. Say, thank you, Lord. Something worked. <laughs> the Holy Spirit got a hold of somebody. Amen? There's a young woman sitting there. Not long. How long are you saved, Helen? Just not even a year and a half. Still going on with the Lord. Not wonderful? Huh? Still going on with the Lord. So the seed took root in good soil there. That's wonderful, isn't it? So be encouraged, folks, tonight. Keep sowing the seed. Keep throwing it out there. And let's, let's keep our hearts right. Let's not let them get hard or choked or shallow. Let's have our hearts well cultivated so that when we come to the house of God, our hearts are ready to receive and then to produce. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just stop for a moment as we get ready to close and we just give you thanks. And we thank you for that moment in our lives individually when somebody sowed the seed. And the Holy Spirit took that seed because our hearts was prepared to receive it. And it grew into fruit unto eternal life. We thank you for that, Lord, tonight. Thank you for saving our eternal souls. Thank you for washing us in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you tonight, Lord, that we're on the road to heaven. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives today. So Lord, let us leave this place tonight encouraged that as we go out and scatter the seed of the Word of God, that some of it is going to find a good home and a heart and it's going to produce 30, 60, 100 fold. So we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.